This is L. David Hessler here to thank you for listening to Bad Notes. This week's middle of the episode mixtape guest is Hyborian with their song Maelstrom. Find them on Facebook and find more of their work on hyborianrock.bandcamp.com. And don't forget to stick around until the very end of the show to hear a special message from Orb Industries, the mysterious benefactor behind Bad Notes. In 1996, after nearly two decades spent touring the American Midwest with his heavy metal band Starfed, cult guitar hero Orrin Moon disappeared without a trace. Despite dozens of distraught fans, the music industry barely noticed his absence. While law enforcement assumed Moon had simply fled the country or joined a religious commune, for nearly two more decades, the true story went untold. Then, in early 2016, a music journalist for National Independent Radio received an unmarked package that contained over 200 dated microcassettes with a handwritten letter that read, This is the story of Orrin Moon. He was an amazing musician, a loving father, and the best demon slayer the world never knew. Notes, created by L. David Hessler. Part 12. They say celebrity makes monsters out of people. In Wicked Ginny's case? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess she's a goddamn monster. This campground where we found her performing, this place called Ruddy Heights, it belonged to a farmer who died 15 years ago. A neighbor found him tits up beside his tractor. Poor bastard's wife had died years before and they didn't have any kids. He was the last of his kind. A handful of locals held a funeral for him. It was small, quiet. Nobody really knew the guy, so they just put him in a box and intended to bury him. Except that son of a bitch wasn't actually dead. Mel and I sat on a bench seat that had been torn out of an old sedan and it was now a makeshift couch backstage at the Ruddy Heights Amphitheater. 
There was no ceiling above us, and the night sky was vast. Stars huddled around the moon like moths to a flame. Pony stood next to us, silent with his arms crossed. And sitting in front of us, breathing heavily and chuckling at her own story, was the one and only Wicked Ginny. Her makeup had begun running down her face as soon as she sat down across from us. Sweat poured down her forehead, smearing everything she had applied to her face before the show. Mascara, eyeshadow, blush. Only her lipstick seemed untouched. It was blood red and glistened in the moonlight. Her teeth were pearls behind those carnivorous lips and her enormous Adam's apple heaved up and down as she spoke. We leaned closer, hanging on to every word. I had no idea why she was telling us all of this, but I wouldn't even think to interrupt. I was so eager to hear her speak that I barely paid any attention to the three slender men surrounding us. They each wore black leather dusters and large slouch hats. Their faces were obscured by shadows, and they barely moved the whole time we listened to Jenny. I can't speak for Mel, but I couldn't have cared less about them. That dead asshole wasn't dead at all, Jenny said. The press had made a big deal about her being transsexual, but sitting there listening to her speak only a few feet away from us, actually hearing her tell us a story, it didn't matter. I mean... It never should have mattered to anyone. That bastard caught himself a little influenza of the soul, she said, tapping her chest with one fist. Got himself cursed because he wasn't happy with whatever shitty life the universe had given him. That funeral of his, it was more like a birthday. You ever hear the one about the chicken and the egg? We nodded, of course. Well, what about vampires? Mel and I gazed at each other. What about them, Mel asked. You ever wonder how the whole thing starts? I mean, I guess some people think it's just Dracula's fault. And some people think vampires run all over the place biting people to transform them. Like, they were given some sort of brochure with Dracula's signature on the last page. A how-to manual for the undead. But that doesn't make sense. Too many vampires means not enough humans. Vampirism has to begin someplace. We didn't say anything. But the disquiet between us was becoming more tangible. We didn't like where this was going. When all those kind people showed up at that farmer's funeral, he wasn't in the casket. He was waiting for them like a jungle cat, stalking its prey. And when they went into the church, he attacked every one of them. Now, judging by the expressions on your faces, I think you know this is possible. You've met Pony and Alonzo. You've heard of the night crowd. This was insanity. She was a famous musician. Her CDs were in stores all over the country, and yet she was part of this whole thing? I was there, she said. I was the officiating minister, 
And that farmer, his name was Erwin Harmeyer, by the way. He tried to take a bite out of my throat. Got a good portion, too, enough to pass on to me whatever black curse had taken him halfway to the grave. But while everyone else in that church died terrible and agonizing deaths, I survived. Now, I don't know if it was God or fate or something I ate, but I had the strength to overcome. And I subdued that goddamn farmer before he could kill again. Why are you telling us all of this? Mel asked. Fear had replaced all the excitement of meeting our heavy metal hero. The air around us had grown heavy and seemed to squeeze my lungs with each breath. I'm telling this story because I welcome you to my home, she said. This is my utopia. All those people out there, they are my lost children. We stay here to avoid the outside world. We serve a higher order. We aren't just beasts. We do the work that your daddy taught us, Melody. Mel clutched my hand. My tongue had gone dry like an old kitchen sponge. Wicked Jenny smiled, and enormous canine teeth sprouted out of her gums like the fangs of a viper. We make the world safe because that's what your daddy taught me when he found me in that church half-dead all those years ago.
I felt like the last chicken tender at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Ginny led us through her makeshift sanctuary for monsters. If what she had said was true, then we were surrounded by hundreds of vampires. As we walked down a sloping road lined with campers and tents, she greeted denizens of ruddy heights with high fives, hugs, kisses, slaps on the ass. Most of the strangers regarded us with sideways glances and hushed whispers. Don't be afraid of them, Jenny said over one shoulder. If anyone should be afraid, it should be them. You're the daughter of a goddamn demon slayer. An entourage of slim men and women met us at a communal fire pit. They were dressed in the same long leather dusters and hats. They looked like paranormal secret service agents. As we got closer and the meager fire illuminated their faces, I realized that each one of them was missing their eyes. One of the women cocked her head sideways and pointed her face in my direction, staring at me with those empty eye sockets. Uh, don't stare at the shepherds, please, Jenny said. They get, uh, anxious. She took a seat on one of the logs surrounding the fire pit and gestured for us to join her. The fire was small, a remnant of what must have been some grand bonfire earlier in the evening. The ones she called shepherds stood still as statues, each facing the fire with their backs to the looming night. Why are we here? Mel asked, standing next to a log instead of sitting down. I did the same. Murmur, Jenny said, glancing at Pony. He nodded and then gazed at Mel. The demon Murmur is after you. Following you. Mel stared at the fire. It took my dad, she said. And I think it took Pony's friend Alonzo, too. Something in my mind stirred. It felt like a snake rolling over itself, curling and, and entangling and tightening. And I remembered the dream from the bus, that hellish titan reaching out for me. And then I noticed the shepherds had each taken a few steps closer to me. Melody, Jenny said. The demon... It isn't following you. She lowered her head and stared at the ground. It's here. It's here with us right now. A coldness had settled across my body, and with those last few words, Ginny stared at me. She pointed her finger, and the shepherds drew even closer. Mel tried to stop them, but Pony held her at bay. You stink of it. Jenny said. The shepherds closed in on me without saying a word. They moved in unison, like they shared a brain. Now, I know it's not your fault, but you have the stench of murmur all over you, boy. It's why Pony brought you here. We aim to get you clean. 
I felt like a rat backed against a wall. The corners of my mouth twitched. I wanted to tell them I was fine, that there wasn't anything wrong with me. But when I spoke, it wasn't my voice. It was the smoke, that damn finger on the grill. Alonzo had warned me it was dangerous to breathe too much of that smoke, and he was right. The words that came out of my mouth, they were insidious. And what happened next? Oh God, I wish I'd never gone to Orrin Moon's funeral. All I know is that suddenly Ginny and all of her undead friends weren't the only monsters at Ruddy Heights. Thanks again for listening to Bad Notes, written and produced by me, L. David Hessler. If you like this story, you can get more of my books and original music at ldavidhessler.com. You can also help support the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash ldavidhessler or by leaving an honest review on Apple Podcasts. This episode's mixtape guest is Hyborian. Find their work at hyborianrock.bandcamp.com. Listen to a new season of my other show, The B-Mega Podcast, where I collaborate with one of my best friends to create original superheroes. Get previous episodes at megatoncitynews.com. And now, the Division of Ethereal Commerce at Orb Industries would like me to share with you some promotional copy they provided on what can only be described as a sheet of sentient parchment paper. Loneliness is a myth. The spirit world exists all around us, at all times and in all directions. But if you have trouble seeing ghosts for what they are, and that is to say bodiless specters who may or may not care about your own personal well-being, then sign up for the newest subscription service from Orb Industries, the Spirit Box. Not to be confused with the communication device of the same name, the Spirit Box arrives at your door once a month. It always appears to be empty, but rest assured, 
Once you open the spirit box, your home will be forever occupied by a randomly selected spirit from the great beyond. The mind-numbing paralysis of utter loneliness will be gone the moment you open your first spirit box. Orb Industries Friends from the Far <laughs>